You know, I'm continuing to give speeches on the book, on my book, Atheism Kills. And it's, uh, it's been really interesting. I've met the most wonderful people while I'm on the road and otherwise, and uh, engaging in Facebook and in Twitter. And, and I have many conversations. It seems like a full-time job. And I like it. I, I, it's very um, engaging. It's thrilling. It, it feels like my brain is on fire. <clears throat> as I, as, as I good fire, not bad it's a good fire, fire, I assume. It's, it's very exciting. You <laughs> yes. wake up every morning. You know, you, I'm almost exhausted because I just can't wait to wake up. So that the day can begin. I mean, what a nice way to live, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm very tired in the evening, but I enjoy, like, wow, what a great day that was. So there just seems to be so many things to do. One of the things that seems to be coming up quite a bit in my speeches and my engagements with, with people is this notion of the past and the present. This, you know, we, we joke around quite a bit how liberals only see the past maybe three seconds before them and are only seemingly ready to see about three seconds in front of them. Everything else is kind of a big morass for them. It's a big blob that they're, they're traveling through in time. And as an atheist, you would, you would necessarily think this way. This, this makes sense in a way, right? Kind of like the wheel you talk about in your book. Yes, that's right. The, time the big is just <clears throat> flattened like a pancake upon itself. Right. Here we are. Uh, and, and we just do what we need to do, you know, like, 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 like my pet dog. He has no sense of who George Washington was, right? He has no sense of, of the history of dogs, you know, how they were once domesticated and he descends from the wolves. And, you know, I wonder what dogs will look like a thousand years from now. He doesn't have that sense. You how know? can I honor the heritage <laughs> of wolves that came before me? Right, right. What did they struggle with? <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's right. You know, I'm, I'm going to take the baton and go with it, or the, the bone, as it were, yeah, the bone. <laughs> and, and carry it with me to the next generation and teach others. No, of course not. I mean, it, it, but, but the liberal might as well be, I mean, when I say liberal, I mean the atheist here. He, he might as well be like the dog. I mean, I, you know that you can choose to be insulted if you want, my, my atheist friend, but in reality, why would you be insulted? You know, you, why do you care about your future? Uh, the future of anybody else other than your own future. You're, why do you care about ch your children and certainly your grandchildren and, and great-grandchildren? What do you give a crap what happens to America, let's say, 100 years from now? Right? I mean, all that matters is can you have a good time and do you have enough sex and do you have enough toys? Do you have enough money and enough comforts? Until the day you die, and hopefully you, you'll exhaust all that wealth and resources that you may have gained, exactly the moment that you expire, right? You win, right? And because you go into this thing called nothingness, because there is no God, after all, in their mindset. So what do you care about what America might look like 100 years from now? It, it, how about that? They're, they're concerned about global warming, they say, right? But we'll take, we'll take that apart for a moment. But what if I were to tell you? that instead of global warming, that circumstances are in play right now that will lead to the ultimate dictatorship of America. How about that? And this is what I forewarn. I, I'm the Al Gore of, of dictatorship, of dictatorship yeah. uh, of, you know, predicting dictatorship 100 years from now. And we must do something now, 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 I tell you. And uh, the UN is predicting it with me. And I'm getting a whole bunch of other people together with me, and there's scientific uh, Hoover Institution-type places that predict it with me. And unless we get our acting gear right now, 
here's a graph, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna take one of those what about the, the razors, the risers, that let me, you know, climb another ten feet, so I can show you this graph of, of, of greater suffering, in the future that awaits us if we don't do something right now. And I think that the atheist doesn't give a crap about that. I think most people, oddly enough, Americans, whether they're atheists or not, because they don't really think about the issues too much, they don't care about that. They, they, you could tell them, here's, your, here's the future of America, and you see people suffering in the streets, begging for food, and, and then you ask, okay, well, when, when is that year that I'm looking at? That's the year uh, 2094, let's say, 70 or so years from now. And you say, um, I'm going to be dead by then, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're 40 years old, you know, obviously you're going to be dead 70 plus years from now. And it's only going to begin 70 years from now, sir? Yeah, that's right. It's going to be beginning 70 years. That picture will begin in 70 years. I, I don't give a crap. That's what the atheist should say. Because, you know, what's the point? And I dare you, if you're an atheist, to, to counter that. Tell me why that's not right. And don't tell me because, well, I have children and I want to make sure that they're happy. What do you care? I mean, if you truly turn into nothingness, what do you care about their future? Because I don't even know why you had children in the first place. Or why you care now. Right. Why, why do you care? Yeah. I mean, what, I don't get it. I mean, in the animal kingdom, they, they have instincts to suckle and uh, nourish the baby for the first uh, half year to two years, depending on what animal you are. The father is out of the picture altogether, right? I mean, almost every species. Uh, and, and then uh, they go. And you have no idea where these animals are. The, the instinct dissipates completely. Why can't we be like the animals? In fact, if we are sophisticated animals, then we should just be exactly like them. Just get rid of these children. Once you're done, you know, you, you've done your part instinctively. Why do you have to keep on caring how happy they'll be 50 years from now? And for that matter, how, how your grandchildren will feel uh, 70 or 80 or 100 years from now, right? That's nonsense. What I'm talking about here, folks, is, is heritage. The notion of a past that you might be obligated to and a future that you might be obligated to as well. In Judaism, I know my, my father impressed this upon me uh, my, both my parents did. They, they, they talked about all the great, the greats of, of Jewish, Jewish history that accomplished all these amazing things. And do you really want to end that? Do you want to be breaking that chain? Do you commit to not breaking that chain? And by the way, we have many different kinds of chains. I'm, I'm not talking about slavery kind of chain, a good kind of chain where you... A you're, connection. You're, a connection, yeah. right. A connecting chain. And I'm, I'm part of a Jewish chain. I'm part of an American chain. I'm part of a... Legal chain. A legal chain, that's chain. right. A just, good point. There are many things that I'm, I'm part of a chain. I want to see that develop in a good way, right? If you're in technology, maybe you feel like you're in the, the, the chain of technology, advancing ever so in, in great new gadgets and great new comforts for society. If you're a scientist, you want to have discoveries, things like this. But... But there is no heritage. There's no sense of heritage of the past, uh, uh, belonging to the past or belonging to the future, when there is no God. And I, I'm seeing this time and time again in, 
and I, I just ask every atheist, why, why do you have children? And they, all right, I got to tell you, it's, it's as if nobody asked them that question before. They're, they're used to hearing questions like, prove to, to me that there is no God, or um, believing in God makes me feel good. And, you know, if you just, you know, give your heart to, to God or, or to Jesus, you'll see the wisdom that I see. That's what they're used to. Those are the questions and challenges, as it were, that they're used to. But they, they don't hear the question that I just asked. Why do, you, why do you give a crap about anything? And certainly, why do you give a crap about having children? Well, it's the scariest question anyone can be asked or, or tr- try to answer in life, period. Right. Because it reminds you of your own mortality, on the one hand, and all that it entails. Yeah. And it's, it, there's no good answer. It's scary if there's nothing, and it's scary if there's something. Right. Because if there's something, well, I'd better take, as they call in AA, a personal inventory of my actions and work to right wrongs I've committed. And if there's nothing, uh-oh, there's nothing. Right. That's a good point. It's, That's a very good point. There are no good answers. You and I are believers. Right. And the fact that we believe and know there is something else is not always comforting. Right. It's quite terrifying. Right. Okay? Right. We know life is it. Right. We've spent enough time alive that we've gotten somewhat used to being alive. And the idea of transitioning to the next state, no matter how glorious God's kingdom promise is if we do these mitzvahs and good deeds, that's, right. that's scary too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and, and one more thing that's yeah. scary is that I think this is important, and not enough people who are, are of faith ask themselves or confront this. You're promised in heaven to see those you love. Well, it, as a parent, it's a terrifying idea to think that my children are going to die and have to go through death like I will, even if they get to see me again, and even if I get to see them again. Again, no good answers. You know, perhaps death will be such that, you know, when we pass on and, and maybe we're afraid of death. I, I'm not afraid of death. I can, I can speak for myself that way. I hope it's not a painful death, but I'm not afraid of the actual passing so long as my kids are taken care of, my wife is taken care of, and my loved ones are, are taken care of. Um, but whatever fear I may have, I, I know that I'll be on the other side of it and I'll say, and I'll think of the oncoming death of my children God willing that they die way after I do, um, th- that I'll say, okay, they'll be cool with it. They'll see. They'll own- Soon they will understand how it's not such a terrible thing to, to pass on. They're just simply going on to the next antechamber, as it were. I, I think that's the way it's going to be, but I, I don't want to delve too much into that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just being the point that as mm-hmm. human beings, our frail little selves, all of these answers are scary, and when you know the answer is scary, you, as a human, recoil at the uh, chance or the challenge of having to ask the question. Well, you know, it, it's another way to look at it, and maybe another question to ask the, the atheist is to say, do you understand that your, the universe is binary in this one way? Like you just said, either there's something or there's nothing. Right, and either something, you're alive or you're dead. Right. Well, yeah. so I like the something or nothing oh, first. Sure. Bear with me while, while I'm talking about. When I say the something, that there is a God and there's a Creator of the universe and there's purpose to everything. Um, in which case, that's pretty scary because 
that means you're accountable to, to, to the world and and you have to do right by your fellow man and, and everything else. And and this is, you know, if you want civilization, then you, you need to belong to the past and you need to belong to the future. And the, the other side of it is that there's nothing, which is scary, probably even scarier, because this is all there is. And not only is there nothing when you die, and therefore no purpose as well, but you ought to be terrified of, of your fellow man, because... Once they discover this reality, like the blue pill of the Matrix, watch out, right? It's, it's going to be terrifying. So that's a question if you pose it to the, uh, to the atheist. Uh, just like, you know, why, do you have, why would you even have children? I think it'll just be a head-scratcher. Th- these are questions for the atheist that, I mean, I, I come up with new ones every day, that I, I guarantee you, Ari, that they've never really contemplated themselves. And if they did contemplate it, they would say, maybe I'm, maybe I'm off kilter on this whole God business. Yeah, but a lot of times they're incapable. Thus, they change the subject. We've all dealt with progressives of various stripes and various circumstances on various issues who, when you really nail them on something, immediately change the issue or the, right, the issue right. of being discussed or throw out accusations. And the atheist is the same thing. Right. On, on these issues, they are incapable of it. Right. Their their wiring runs into a non compatible subroutine, and you get the blue screen of death if they were computers, if right. you will. Right, right. An unrecoverable program crash here, you know. And yeah. uh, the behavior of changing the subject or the accusation, as we know from our dealing with progressives, is a sign that we've won. They've lost right. the argument. They can't argue any further, and they don't want to because it requires more knowledge and introspection that they're not capable of at the time. Now, like you in your days of atheism, it took the assimilation of more knowledge to come to the next conclusion, right. where you would then be capable of this discussion. You know? Right. Well, we've we, we used the analogy of uh, a dirty windshield before, right? So imagine a very dirty windshield as you're driving. And you see a kind of a figure of some sort. You don't know whether it's an animal or a human or a male or female for that matter. Um, you just kind of have a sense that there's something there. And, you know, it's a, it's a reality. But you don't quite know. And you don't hit it because you say, well, it's not there because I can't see it fully. Right? But, but the agnostic will say, well, I don't necessarily believe that there's a God. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. But it's really more like... All the evidence suggests, first of all, that there really is a God. But they get to say to themselves, well, I don't know. So, you know, it's more like that fuzzy thing that they can't quite get a full read on, a full clarity on. And therefore, you know, they can ignore it. So, and, and I have that chapter in my book called The Squishy Believer about this, how dangerous this is. Because you, you, you are dealing with a twilight of, of thought. where And twilight is always the dangerous. That's why I say it. It is dangerous because you, you end up believing, well, you, you get to have it both ways, right? You say, well, I don't really know if there is a God, but maybe there is a God. So I'm not damned if I do, and I won't be damned if I don't. Because if, you know, there's a, there's a God, I get to say to myself, well, I tried to be a good person. And if there's no God, well, <laughs> you won't even be able to think about it. You, you, you won't be, uh, nobody will be mocking, mocking you, right, at the end of the day. Strange. But back to the heritage business, I, I find that one of the most fascinating things 
that we've ever discussed already. Yeah. Now, in in your example, what were the things that your parents impressed on, upon you in Judaism? Yeah. Since we're talking about God here, right? Well, and we that's have a, a religion that we're are a part of, and a family we're part of, and one of the chains that you right. mentioned. What in Judaism was impressed upon you that was necessary to work to continue? Right. So. We are directly descended. First of all, I'm a seventh generation Israeli. So my roots to Israel are very, very strong. I was born in Israel. I don't have a, a, a thick Israeli accent because I, was, I, I came here when I was three and a half years old and I've been very Americanized and everything And your else. radio audience thanks you for that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Much uh, easier to listen to with good English. But, but way before <laughs> then, I also had, you know, we have tremendous roots in Jewish um, religious history. My... My great, 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 how many of our many greats uh, you can count, back in the 1500s was the great uh, Arizal, the uh, Isaac Luria, or Yitzhak Luria, the, the founder of uh, the, the Kabbalah. So we are directly related to him. So my, my feeling of connection to him is very strong. Yes, it's biological. Yes, it's uh, DNA. Yes, it should mean very much. I get that. But but we still believe in that strongly anyway, right? I mean, you can't tell a grandparent not to be proud of his grandchild, even though he can say, well, what does it matter? I mean, it's why not be proud of some other kid that's not biologically yours? Somehow or another, biology does play a factor into these things. And we're so connected in, in Jewish roots and in Israel roots that for me, I, I feel an obligation. But as you learn more and, about, more, and more about Jewish history, it's about... The, the, the steadfast belief in, in one God, that God is everywhere, uh, that God wants us to be good, that God expects us, expects us to carry the book to observe the Ten Commandments and the 613 mitzvot. These are very powerful things that you carry with you as you walk about your, your day-to-day lives, and, and so you should. Um, and then you understand, well, I'm just but a small chain in this very long chain. A link in the chain. Yeah, Yeah. and one day I will will pass on and hopefully my children and and so forth will continue on with that link in the chain, their respective link in the chain. And that's the only way this this Jewish business is going to continue on. And for that matter, the only way that God is going to continue. If there's no Judaism, there will be not. There will will no longer be any God. I I love Christians. You know I, I love it, but Christianity needs Jews. No, and, Judaism, Christianity is completely dependent, right. wholly dependent on Jew, Judaism's framework, number one, and the existence of Jews living in the present right. to I think show they all agree that, with you. to verify yeah. the miracles that Christians right. believe in. And we Jews need Christians also. And Christians have provided tremendous good to the world and structure and law and order. And uh, without Christians, there are defenders. There, there are defenders, and, yeah. and we work hand in hand together. I mean, God bless the Christians. And, uh, but we need to see our roles. Christians need to see their roles and we need to see our roles as well. And everyone should be very proud of those roles. I mean, but here's the beauty of it. When you live a world where you have a sense of heritage uh, and also an obligation to the future, so it's an obligation to the past and to the future, you have a tremendous sense of pride. Uh, You have a tremendous sense of purpose. And I think, finally, a tremendous sense of happiness for, for all those reasons. I, I, I mean, who wouldn't want to live that way, to understand that they have a role somewhere in their lives? If not, uh, <clears throat> you know, a career-wise, at the very least, 
they have a role in the, in the great chain of history. Ain't that the coolest thing in the world when you think about it, right? You're, you're not just some guy that's randomly placed on a planet and, and uh, you know, planet X515, you know, in some random outpost of the universe, right, as they would have in Star Wars. No, you're, you're on planet Earth in one of the most— You're in the big show. You're in the major you're leagues. You're in the, the major leagues, and you're part of this huge, long chain that expects you to play your part. Thank you very much, Right? That's cool. That's responsible. It makes you an adult. It makes you mature. And I think it's very exciting. It, 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 like, like I said before, it, it makes you get up in the morning and, and feel, okay, what do I need to do today? I'm excited about this. Now, I think it has one other really important added benefit, which is it mitigates the apprehension we were talking about earlier about that transitioning to that next phase. Not only, we've both accepted the living God and the living afterlife, accepted that it is a reality, no matter how much we like it or don't like it. But the connection to the past and the future makes that spiritual next place such a tangible reality. We feel in many ways that we have one foot of our realities in that afterworld already. Right. In other words, oh, beautifully the transition said. to heaven, if for lack of a better term, the spiritual place, right. is already halfway accomplished by feeling your role in it. Uh, I'll say you talked about how. Um, well, no, no, no let, let's make oh, this easy because yeah, I, I sure. no, keep 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 that thought in mind because yeah. it's a good thought. But for example, my son is now studying for his bar mitzvah. Okay, he's not a bar mitzvah yet, right? But he can see himself. As a post bar mitzvah child, as a man, if you as will. a man, somebody who's responsible for his actions, and so he's preparing himself for that great moment, no less than when I prepared myself to become a lawyer. Right? I prepared, 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 and now I'm a lawyer. I'm on the other side of being uh, of the of the of the bar. Which yeah, yes, I passed for the, the first bar. time. He's going to pass his bar mitzvah. As, <laughs> oh, there you go. You like that? So. But it's the same sort of thing. You, you see that role as, as the next phase in your life, right. right? Now, we should be able to see the, the, the passing on of our lives to death as the next phase. We don't know what that phase looks like. That's the big difference. I, you know, I, frankly, I didn't know what being a lawyer would, would actually be like. But I, at least I knew I had other lawyers that I could compare to. I, maybe, maybe I'll be like that lawyer. Yeah, maybe I'll be you, like this lawyer. But you knew your body would still be alive. Right, right, exactly. You would, you'd be... Physical, not spiritual, material right. still. Right. But, but I know, going back to this whole notion of, of going into a different uh, dimension, if you want, I know that I'll be aware. I'll be self-aware of what is going on. I don't know what that dimension will look like. I think, it, I think it's very exciting. I think I will have a much greater awareness of the universe at that point. I know that God will look kindly upon me. I think I've done some many... Very good things. I've made my share of mistakes, no doubt about it, like anybody else. But net-net, I think I've contributed to the world. I, I'm very proud of, of my role. I think I've lived my life consistent with what God wanted of me. I mean, assuming a just God who, who, uh, who seeks morality. I've lived that life, and I, I, I'm looking forward to it. That's why I'm not afraid of death. I, I, because, first of all, I know that there's a God. And secondly... I just have no fear of this. It's, it's something to look forward to almost in a way. Now, I've, I've got a lot of work to do. 
right? Just like yeah, my son. You're, you're, this is not an argument to jump out this, you know, high window, yeah, hardly. high floor window in the skyscraper. We're singing to meet God now. Hey, I'm excited to meet you. Kill yourself. No, no that's not what that's, this is that's about. premature. It's like it's yeah. like a, a an apple falling off a tree way before its time. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, to the extent that an apple looks forward to being eaten or whatever. Yes. Right. I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, but you get the idea. Um, I'm not ripe yet to for death. And when that time comes, well, then I suppose I'll be ready. And that, that time might be because a bus may have run me over. Okay. Then, then that's what God chose for me. Yeah, anywhere from traffic incident this afternoon to something uh, 100 years right. from now, something in that time frame will most likely be your transition right. point to the spiritual. Right. It's, it's going to be yeah. uh, very exciting. But, but my role, um, and this is, this is a function of happiness too, it's looking back into the past and look into the future. I am saying, I think something that I haven't heard from other people, and I, I, I want to, I want to emphasize this very, very strongly. We have an obligation to the past, and we have an obligation to the future. How about that? Uh, you know, if if here, here to make it very simple, I'm a lawyer. Um, if I spent all my life studying to be a lawyer and I go through law school and then I decided, you know, after all that time, all, all that money, I've decided that I want to be a mime in Paris. <laughs> okay. And that's, what's going to float my boat. My parents would correctly say, and for that matter, me, uh, for, because I invested a lot of my own money, what a waste of time, right? I, I have in a sense Violated my obligation to my past. And your parents would rightly assist you in your transitioning to the spiritual world <laughs> at that yes, point. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's true. And it would be fully justified. <laughs> yep, yep. But you're violating an obligation to the past. Yes. You, you have trained all this time and only to become a mime in Paris for what? For, for a couple of francs or euros per, per day? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, right? It, it would be silly. Likewise, in the future, if you, if you did not... Build for a future in the sense of, you know, retirement savings and investments and things like that and, and teaching morals to your kids. Um, then you're not, you know, preparing life for them for the future and for that matter, civilization, your role in civilization. You have an obligation to that future as well, to that part of, of life. So the present, remember, is a very ephemeral notion. Yeah, I mean, the present is the smallest thing. It's now. Oh, it's right, gone. It's gone. Now, yeah. gone. Yeah, even when you say the word now, um, it's gone. By the time you get to that W sound, you know the, the N sound is already in the past. Right. Right. I mean, it's so fleeting. You can't. It's like the infinitesimal um, boundary of of the uh, what do they call it? Like the curve. Is that the event horizon? Uh, the, no, no. The asymptotic curve. That's what it is. Where the curve gets closer and closer to the axis, but never quite touches it. Yes. Right? And you have to imagine an ever-thinning line in order to get to that. But it's, it goes on to, into infinity. The point is that, that, that now, the notion of now is so ephemeral. But there's plenty of the past, and hopefully there's plenty of the future. Right, I mean, there's yeah, because there's always a future. There's always, there's a, future. always a past, yeah. and if with the study of history, because we don't believe in that crushed wheel, our atheists and progressive friends perceive, uh, we can differentiate the Romans from the Greeks, from the Etruscans. Right, we know these are distinct eras. There were differences in large spaces between them, in which 
um, excrement occurred, right? right? Yes, yes. <laughs> that had an effect on the future, specific right. effects. And we understand that our role in the ephemeral now, depending on the, the choice we make in these, these, you know, a Formula One race car speed nows that we're going through, if we can just make good choices, like, for instance, writing a book called Atheism Kills, it will have a profound effect on the future. Right. This sight unseen at this point. Right. And, and you made a point that I think deserves a little bit more exploration, too. It's not an arbitrary thing that you are the descendant, DNA-wise, of ancestors. It's a living starter. You know, you have some French connection, Right. So you, uh, I know, you know, it's not common for people to consume mass quantities of carbohydrates anymore, but there's something called sourdough bread, and good ones can be hundreds of years old because they're related to the exact same starter that was started in generations past. Yeah, now that's a good point. There are many such things, and a great way to look at it is exactly what you said. Um, so interesting, isn't it? Um, I, I love talking about these issues because, you know, going back to your Greek and Roman concepts, for example, the Greeks, you know, those those people who lived at the times, let's say Plato and Aristotle, right? They they performed a role in the development of civilization. Uh, we can we can talk all day long about you know whether their role was uh, positive or negative. Of course, I think they, they, it was positive. Um, perfect, no, but positive, yes, very much so. But they had no idea of the oncoming thing called the Roman Empire, which we now know was extremely influential. And likewise, the Romans during their day would have no idea of the coming of the English Empire. And likewise, uh, those in the English Empire, um, you know, certainly in the year 1600s, uh, 1500, had no idea that there would be something called the American Empire. And who knows what's going to come in the future, right? But each of those played a very significant role in the development of civilization. And the only way it could have been that way is that there was a, a sense of obligation to the future. Now, I talk in my speeches quite a bit about, and it's, it's ending up to be not only my favorite topic, but the favorite nuance, uh, the, the takeaway of most of my listeners, of the audience that, that, that is uh, hearing my speeches, which is that churches of old sometimes took 600, 700, 1,000 years to build, which could only mean those people who started the building knew that they would never see the end of it. It's not as if they said, okay, when are we going to get this thing done? They knew it would take 700 to 1,000 years to finish this. It would take not, it's not as if their children could see it or even their grandchildren could see it. They knew it was going to be 20 generations hence. And that's what they were building for. And they built it with love and perfection. They were building it because they loved uh, the notion of God. They were doing this for God. But more importantly, they were building it because it was for civilization itself. And, and I, these were people that had a sense of an obligation to not only their past but to their future. And would you say that the most dangerous thing about this recent development in the modern world of, you remember how we were talking last week's episode about the criticism of Margaret Court 
And one of yes. those was, how can you believe in the Bible? It's thousands of years old. We've been doing gay studies for the last 30 years and see how much we know now. Right. Let's throw all, all, all that out. And there, there, there is even a hint that, that you should <laughs> respect the past. It's in fact, funny. I, in fact, you're poo-pooed for it. You're, what kind of idiot are you? You're living in the past, aren't you? Aren't you a past thinker? Right. How I mean, dare you? I wish you had the presence of mind uh, to say, well, wait a minute. So that means we should get rid of all the, the thinking and philosophies of Plato and Aristotle, right? We should get rid of all the notions of Descartes. And, and for that matter, um, because, but it's not, not quite 2,000 years ago, but it's more than 200, 200 years ago. Let's get rid of the, the, the Constitution. Let's get rid of a, the whole notion of freedom and democracy. I mean, after all, they were created, you know, quite quite a long time ago. Yeah, by so. white heterosexual men. Right. Right? You yeah. know, that whole keep the government out of your bedroom stuff. You know, why don't we get rid of that? Yeah. Because it's old. Yeah, it's everything is old. And and the new is all that matters. And and so your 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 point, you're bringing it all together very nicely. By the way, nicely. great double entendre. The news is all that matters. Yes. What we see on CNN tonight yes. is all that matters. Yeah, that's right. And and old news, well, it's, it's redundant. It's not, no, it's a, it's a contradiction in terms of yes. old news, right? So uh, what happened a week ago? Well, that's no longer relevant. Um, no longer relevant, at least to some people we call liberals. But for conservatives, the past means a lot to us. You see, the, the past matters to conservatives. Almost by definition, right? When you, when you use the word conservative, right? You're conserving what? You're Stuff. conserving values of the past. Yes. That's what we do as conservatives. Liberals, while they, they look gloriously to the future, which they don't even know what it looks like, they certainly don't hark to the past to say, we need to preserve something. I mean, ask, ask a liberal, and for that matter, ask an atheist, but mostly a, a liberal, a lefty in particular, what do you think is valuable to preserve from the past? They'll only say one thing, nature. Yeah. You have to set aside this piece of land. But that's not even the, the past. That's not even the past. Um, th- th- you know, that's just nature. That's just going back to the big wheel, right? The time right. So, but I, that's what they'll they'll tell you verbally, right. whether it's a lie or not. It, you know, they they can believe a lot of things and not know it's a big right. fat lie. We yeah. know it's a fake. It's a big fat lie. But you know, they'll always say something like, "Well, we preserve Yosemite." Right. We conserve right. Yosemite. I think I think that what they would tell you, you know, is National to say, Resource Conservation. They, I think they would say uh, we'd like to preserve the World Series and Super Bowl, maybe. And things that uh, culturally are, are Have you meaningful. Seen what they did this year? Of course uh, not. Of course, I've, I've, I'm with you. I'm simply saying innocuous things. But they would not say I like the whole notion of Christmas. I would. Uh, they would not say I like the notion of uh, Easter, and the the notion of um, com- communion and bar mitzvah, uh, bar and bar, bar mitzvah. Did I say that right? Yeah, bar and bar, bar mitzvah. The, the mitzvah. The, the mitzvah. Yeah, the bar and bar mitzvah. I, they would not say that those things are worth keeping. No, but they would say... They, they may honor way. it, but they don't yeah. say it's worth keeping. Right, but this was in the news today, and I'll give you one. All right. Okay, and I know for the listeners, it's a couple days old. Today, Harvard accepted the, the papers of Angela Davis, communist, leader yeah. of the SDS murderer, right. for preservation. Ugh. That... They'll preserve. Right. Right? You know, the legacy of uh, Herbert Marcuse, the yeah. legacy of Mao. Right. Well, if they forget their past, they want to trounce their past while at the same time recreating a new past so that, you know, like year zero and otherwise, that they can uh, fashion. That the past, 
They don't have an obligation to the past. Right. And they and, will and, burn these papers and, as soon as they contradict what right, they exactly want in right. the future. Yes. Yeah. We, we were always at war with Eurasia. <laughs> right. Or Oceania. Yeah. Um, and so, Davis was a horrible capitalist. That's player. right. Oh, it's terrible. She was so, white, too. <laughs> right. You can always change it. That's the point. With them, it's it's constantly looking back on the past. It's it's like for the liberals, it's like a like developing of a, a screenplay, where you know what, it doesn't work to have the main hero as a well, just a, rearrange as, the scenes, as, yeah, as a black woman, and more we, we, better yet as a Native American warrior, you know, who who speaks Chinese also for some reason. Yeah, yeah, go with that. Yeah, Penelope Cruz instead of Meryl right. Streep, it's great. Exactly, we'll go for it. it. Yeah, yes. yeah. Jackie Chan instead of Meryl Streep, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's the way it's like, right? Oh man, it's it's so uh, it's almost like those Lego sets where you can constantly change the heads back and forth and and uh, just redevelop the the old history. And look, they're comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. I understand that is breaking the chain. Worse yet, that's ignoring the chain. That's trivializing the chain. That's actually saying that the tr- the chain doesn't matter. And the chain is there. And our obligation is to ultimately understand that the chain does matter, that you are part, you are a link of that chain, and you always will be. I, I love being part of the chain. It gives me purpose. It gives me life. I think it's reality. Don't, don't, don't uh, pretend that somehow I'm just trying to delude myself. I'm dealing with facts. I'm dealing with reality. Our civilization did come from... Aristotle and Plato and Socrates. It did come from the Romans. It did come from the British Empire. It did come from American ethics and morality as well. And I'm not going to deny that. I see that as part of my past. I, I as part of a past that I belong to. I think it. I, I, I'm, my reality is also that that we have a long history with Judaism and the history of Judaism. I plan to honor that. And. Those are facts that I'm not going to break. And I enjoy it, Ari. I enjoy it very much. And so I'm continuing to climb up the ladder, if you want, uh, or the chain. I don't care what you want to call it, but I'm going for the chain. I'm going to add links to the chain, and I'm going to encourage my children to do so and their children so that it never ends. And God willing, God willing, we'll have an an even better future uh, to the point where, yes, the Messiah will come one day. That's our obligation. And I, what's not to be ecstatic about at the end of the day? I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.